Well, that's a wonderful hymn to sing uh, in light of what we'll be looking at in Paul, Paul's letter to the Romans this morning. It's a hymn about justification. Our passage this morning is about justification. And in justification, God accomplishes for us what we are unable to accomplish for ourselves. Let us pray. God, our Father, as we now turn to your word, and as we turn to the exposition of your word, we would pray that you would bless it. Oh, God, the Holy Spirit, would you be pleased to open our minds and hearts to hear your word, and we trust you to apply it. Oh, Holy Spirit, make me faithful and true as I speak, not my word, but may it be your word. May every word of my mouth be consistent with your truth. Father, bless us and give us a fresh understanding and joy over the fact that we are the justified through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. As we continue this series on salvation, we come to the doctrine of justification. And you'll find on page 8 of your bulletin, there's a chart. I've had this chart in the bulletin for a couple of Sundays now. And it's to give you a, a visual depiction of the, the whole order of salvation, those various parts of the order of salvation. And you'll see justification listed there, coming out of faith, actually trying to indicate that justification is through faith. But you'll also note that justification is a point on a line. It is an act. It is not a work. It is not like sanctification that is a progression. No, it is a moment in time where God declares those united to Christ in saving faith justified. It might be helpful for you to turn, keep your Bibles open. On the other hand, turn to the back of the hymnal, page 871, and there you'll find there at the bottom, second column, the question of the shorter catechism, what is justification? Keep that open. We'll be referring to the catechism. If you have young children with you, it's a great way for you to introduce them if you haven't already to the shorter catechism. The answer to that 33rd question, justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. This catechism question beautifully tracks Paul's words in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28. And let me now read that. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. 
but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Thus far the word of the Lord. The reformer Martin Luther said justification is the article of a standing and falling church. John Calvin called justification the main hinge on which religion turns. And the late J.I. Packer said of justification by faith, no other biblical doctrine holds together so much that is precious and enlivening. The doctrine of justification by faith means for those who are united to Christ in saving faith, we are simultaneously, that is, at the same time, just and sinner. How can that be? That is our goal today, is to explore the doctrine of justification, to show that indeed the doctrine of justification means we are, we are simultaneously just and sinner. And Paul's teaching in the passage that we read earlier from, from Romans 3 declares this. Paul says justification is by grace, justification is in Christ, and justification is through faith. We'll be looking at those three things. First, God's justifying activity to which Paul refers in the passage we read is by grace as a gift. Look at verse 24, the first part of verse 24. And that reflects the teaching of our catechism. Question 33, justification is an act of God's free grace. Now, three words are used by Paul to show that indeed he is dealing with the doctrine of justification, that is, God's justifying activity. He uses righteousness four times in this passage, verse, verses 21, 22, 25, and 26. And Paul means by righteousness a righteousness from God, a righteousness that only God can provide. And then he uses two words that actually have the same root as righteousness in the Greek, and that is justify. You find that in verses 24 and 26, and then the word just in verse 26. So there's no doubt that Paul, even though Paul doesn't say, I am now talking about the doctrine of justification by faith, he is talking about the doctrine of justification by faith primarily and most importantly, and these three words show it. And we want to consider as we look at justification by grace that it is God who justifies. And we play no part in it. Romans 3 and verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is the justifier because he is the one who has provided the means for those united to Christ in saving faith to be justified. And God is just in that his justice 
is satisfied on the cross. We need to get this. Justification does not mean that God turns an eye to sin and sets his justice aside. No, his justice is satisfied completely in his justifying actions. It's important. And the cross shows that. The passage also teaches that God is the one who justifies freely by his grace. Therefore, we don't deserve to be justified, nor can we earn it or merit it or somehow or another make ourselves righteous enough for God to say, oh, okay, justified. It's by grace. It's not of us. And so we read in verses 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we have to ask this question. Why then must justification be by grace? And the answer to this is in our passage today, but also in the scriptures that come before Romans 3 and verse 21. Because Paul is dealing with a large section of scripture, beginning at chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through the end of our passage today. In fact, our passage today is the grand conclusion to all that Paul has said from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3 and verse 20. And what has Paul said? This is what Paul has said in that broader context. He has said this, Jew and Greek, and by Greek he means the whole Gentile world, Jew and Greek, you have a sin problem. And everyone is unrighteous outside of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he has said. The pagan Gentile world, you got a sin problem. You're unrighteous outside of Christ. Jew, faithful Jew, devout Jew, you've got a sin problem. You're unrighteous outside of Christ. That's what he's saying. And then he comes to say this in Romans 3, 10 through 20, very clearly, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And then he says in verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And then Paul brings it to a grand conclusion in chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is probably one of the first scriptures I actually memorized, and it was a good one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Paul's grand conclusion with regards to the context of our passage today. Before the Protestant reformer Martin Luther was converted, he believed that he had to amass by his own effort enough righteousness to be considered inherently righteous enough for God to like him, for God to want him, for God to accept him. The church historian Bruce Shelley says this 
about Martin Luther's pre-conversion quest to be righteous enough by his own merit, according to his own work, his own obedience, his own performance, his own law-keeping. Shelley says this, no amount of penance, no soothing advice from his superiors could still Luther's conviction that he was a miserable, doomed sinner. It is no wonder, Bruce Shelley says, that one day he blurted out, I do not love God, I hate him. That's what happens when you view God as a taskmaster that demands perfect obedience. And if you don't meet it, you're doomed. Now, we may not cry out, I don't love God, I hate him. But we can sympathize with Luther. As sometimes we too feel that condemnation because we've not done enough. Because we've not obeyed enough. And it's very easy for us to revert back into that old slave-master context where we view God as, as this harsh master that demands obedience or else. And we too can fall into the horrible lifestyle of thinking my acceptance before God is based on my performance and what happens the weight of feeling condemned comes upon us we feel Luther when he says I'm a miserable doomed sinner brothers and sisters this is what happens when we turn from the gospel and try to be good enough for God to like us and don't tell me you don't do that because we do it in ways sometimes that we don't even realize. Some of you may be here today because you think being here on Sunday morning or being online, sitting on your couch, might move God to like you better. But here's the good news of the doctrine of justification that we learn from the Apostle Paul. A person is justified by grace, apart from works of the law. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness to which Paul refers to here is a righteousness that only God can provide. It is not a product of our obedience. It is apart from human works of the law. We simply cannot obey enough to be righteous enough. And Paul knows the Old Testament bore witness to justification by grace through faith, including an imputed righteousness in the passage that Jerry read this morning from Genesis 15. And verse 6, and he believed the Lord, 
and he counted it to him as righteousness, the first direct reference to the doctrine of justification in the Bible. Genesis 15, 6. J.I. Packer helps us understand that justification is by grace and it is a legal declaration, theologians say. It's forensic. Packer says this, justification is a forensic idea conceived in terms of law and viewing God as judge. In justification, God declares of penitent believers that they are not and never will be liable to the death that their sins deserve because Christ, their substitute and sacrifice, tasted death in their place on the cross. Now think with me for just a moment of courtroom scene. A defendant is standing before the bar of justice and the evidence that proves his guilt is overwhelming. Everybody knows the guy is guilty, including the defendant. The jury renders a just verdict, guilty. And the judge sitting there in light of the overwhelming evidence that, that everybody knows this guy is guilty, in light of the verdict that came down from the jury, guilty as charged, the judge declares, you are pardoned, not guilty. And I declare that you are in right standing before the law. You are righteous. Can you imagine that? What would happen? Everybody in that courtroom would stand up, pound the table, and cry out, he does not deserve to be set free. And neither do we. God justifies us, legally declares us pardon of the guilt of sin, legally declares us righteous before him and before the law because of Christ's imputed righteousness. And people should stand up and say, they don't deserve it because we don't. But God declares it because of grace. On what basis? Surely God has a basis that he would declare a guilty sinner not guilty and an unrighteous sinner righteous. And our second point, justification in Christ. God's justifying activity being in or on the merits of Christ in verse 24 gives us the legal and just grounds for God's legal declaration justified. Question 33 of our catechism. I hope you're still there on page 871, looking at the catechism, looking at your Bible. Justification has two parts. The catechism says, He, God, pardoned all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. So what are the two parts of justification? Pardon and the imputed righteousness of Christ. And these are the just and legal grounds on which God bases His legal 
declaration, proclamation, justified. In justification, we're declared pardoned of the guilt of all of our sin. And there are two reasons for this, two grounds for God declaring us pardoned. And Paul uses two words. We see one word in verse 24, redemption. And a second word in verse 25, propitiation. In Christ, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 25, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood. Redemption refers to Christ ransoming us back from slavery like God did with Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt. Christ ransom, ransoms us out of slavery to sin. On the cross, the Lord Jesus took our guilt. It's removed from us. It is put on Christ. And he pays for it in full. He pays the ransom price to free us from bondage to sin, death, and Satan. He, by his own blood, cancels our debt. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. But then Paul also says the grounds on which the Lord God declares us justified is not only redemption but propitiation. Now, propitiation, redemption, in one way they mean the same thing or refer to the same thing, that Christ is put forth as an atoning sacrifice to remove our guilt, to expiate, that's the fancy theological word, the guilt of sin from us, to wash us white as snow is another way that you might put it. That's true, but propitiation means more. It also refers to the fact that on the cross, God's wrath was averted from us, the sinner, onto Christ, and he took it and bore it and satisfied God's wrath for sin. And think about this. When, when we're united to Christ in saving faith, we continue to struggle with sin. Hopefully I'm not telling you something new. You agree with me, right? I'm not the only one that still struggles with sin. But yet, because of Christ's work on the cross, there is absolutely none of God's wrath for us. No matter how bad we are as a sinner saved by grace. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that mind-boggling? God's justice was so satisfied by Christ, it doesn't need to be appeased anymore. Is another way to say it. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God's judicial act of declaring the guilty pardon is not at the expense of his justice. The just and legal ground is Christ's redeeming and propitious work on the cross for God's Justice is satisfied. We sang about it and let us love and sing and wonder that Newton hymn where we see grace and justice, love and justice coming together on the cross. And their justice has nothing more to say for those who are under the blood of Jesus Christ. He has satisfied it for us. Beautiful hymn, by the way. Deep, deep 
theological meaning in that hymn. In justification, we're also declared righteous on the just and legal grounds of an imputed righteousness that God provides. It is the righteousness to which Paul refers in verses 21, 22, 25, and 26. This is a perfect righteousness that God provides in Christ Jesus. It is Christ Jesus' perfect righteousness, his righteousness that he attained by his perfect obedience to every point of the law when he walked on this earth. He fulfilled the Mosaic law perfectly. He met all of God's demands. And that righteousness, that perfect righteousness is imputed to us, is credited to us, Paul says, the Bible says, the just and legal grounds on which God declares us righteous is an alien righteousness to us. It is not our own righteousness, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. It is Christ's imputed righteousness. So let's, let's look at the just and legal grounds of God's judicial act of declaring the guilty pardon and the unrighteous righteous in terms of a great exchange that, that takes place. Another word for this great exchange is that theological term, double imputation. It is our, the guilt of our sin being removed from us and put on Christ. Our sin is alien to Christ, but he bears it and pays for it and cancels the debt of it. And then his perfect righteousness is imputed to us. We are indeed clothed with his righteousness. It remains his righteousness. It is credited to us. And we are accepted before God, pardoned because Jesus has taken our sin, and righteous because Jesus' righteousness has been given to us. A great exchange, double imputation. It's the very heart of justification. And let me tell you, it's the very heart of living the Christian life. Isaiah 53, 11, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see. This is about Christ, by the way. He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquity, pardon. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, atonement, full pardon, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, imputed righteousness of Christ double imputation. R.C. Sproul said this, but at the heart of the gospel is a double imputation. My sin is imputed to Jesus, his righteousness is imputed to me, and in this twofold transaction we see that God, who does not negotiate sin, who doesn't compromise his own integrity with our salvation, but rather punishes sin fully and really after it has been imputed to Jesus, retains his own righteousness, and so he is both just and the justifier. So my sin goes to Jesus, his righteousness comes to me in the sight of God. I'm justified. The great exchange, double imputation, is the just and legal basis for God declaring you and me who are united to Christ in saving faith, pardoned of the guilt of sin, righteous before the throne of God, but for the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us. So 
I want you to think with me in standing before the judge, guilty as can be. The evidence is brought in one five-drawer filing cabinet after another just lines the courtroom. Every drawer that is open has file upon file upon file of the evidence to convict you and me of our sin. By the way, all these filing cabinets are just me. You've got a whole other set of filing cabinets that, that's your own, right? I don't want to touch any slides. Every single file folder has evidence that proves that I'm guilty and I'm unrighteous. And every time that, uh, that prosecutor takes that file out of the cabinet and he's going to get me with it, there's one problem. It has stamped on it in Christ, pardoned, righteous. And it is for that reason that we are able to rejoice in declaring along with the Apostle Paul, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't let the doctrine of justification and all of the theological terms associated with it keep you from understanding that it is the very heart of the gospel and the very center of our life today before God. It is a blessed reality that we live declared just though we don't deserve it and then lastly justification is through faith question 33 of the catechism concludes by stating justification is received by faith alone last week we looked at this faith is an instrument or a means through which we're saved we're justified we receive all the saving benefits and look at what, look at what Paul says with regards to justification by faith alone, verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith. Verse 25, that God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Verse 26, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And then Romans 27, or chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works, no, but by the law of faith. For we are told that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. In what do we have any reason to boast? The Apostle Paul answers this. He, if, if we look at verses 27 through 28, we should be reminded of, of another one of Paul's letters. The letter to the Ephesians where Paul in Philippians, not Ephesians, Philippians, where Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, he just lists all of his accomplishments as a Jew. And they were many. 
It is as if Paul is saying in verses 1 through 6, if anyone should be justified by works of the law, it surely should be me. And then he goes to Philippians 3, verses 7 through 9, and this is what he says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. May that be our testimony. Justification by faith means we have no reason to boast. Justification is by grace apart from the law. It is on the merits of Christ's atoning work and his imputed righteousness. And it is received by faith, a gift of God's grace to us. As Paul declared, my standing before God is based on a righteousness that is not my own. It is Christ and ever remains Christ. And here's one implication that I want to bring to you as we bring this message to a close. Justification is the great leveler in the Christian life. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When we are prideful over how well we're doing living the Christian life, we are really obedient. Uh, we love God and we know that He loves us. There aren't many that can say that, but we can. We've we're doing the Bible study thing. We're doing the worship thing. We're serving here. We're sharing the gospel there. We're doing all this. Hey, we're, we're doing Life is good. We're humbled when we think of the doctrine of justification because here's, here's what humbles us. We are no more justified by our obedience than we already are through Christ Jesus. Our obedience does not add to our, our standing before God in heaven. Do we get that? And so the prideful Christian is humbled. Humbled enough to flee to Christ in repentance and faith to the one who is the ground of our justification. And then think of the other side of the coin. When we are in despair over our sin, we have, it just seems like the harder we try, the further we, we fall. We misstep, we trip, we stumble. It just seems like we, we can't get our act together. We're struggling with this persistent sin. We've shot off at our mouths with this person. We just have this, this feeling, this weight of not being good enough. We really do feel like Luther. 
miserable sinner, doomed. The guilt and the condemnation just come. And yet the great leveler of the Christian life, the doctrine of justification, lifts us up to see that at the very bottom of our experience, at the point of the greatest failure, get this, we're no less justified because our justification is not based on our performance. It is based on Christ. And that lifts us up to do what? Flee to Christ in repentance and faith and find comfort and peace and freedom from condemnation. Brothers and sisters, I believe we oscillate between boasting and despair. And yet justification is there leveling us out, humbling us and lifting us up in that we would have a proper understanding that we are justified and why we are justified. It is in Christ through faith by grace. May Paul's words press us to rest in Christ for pardon and a perfect righteousness. When Christ said, I mean, when Paul said, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Let us pray. God, our Father, we commit ourselves to you. Father, some here today may be boasting. Level them, humble them, and press them into Christ to understand it is Christ's righteousness. It's the pardon from Christ's sacrifice that is our standing before God. Some of us here today may be in despair. Lift us up and remind us through your penance and faith that it is Christ's righteousness and that it is his pardoning grace that is our standing before God. Bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen.